Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Korea Talk with me, your host today, Bob Lee. In Series 3, we continue with the themes of startup and innovation, and we have hints and tips to help you grow and develop your own ideas. In today's episode, we are joined by our special guest, Daniel Bridgewater, who is a University of Birmingham alumnus and founder of Startup Business Booked, um, which is described as the UK's only mystery ticket subscription. So it's a great big welcome to you, Daniel. Hello. Hi. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. It's great to have you here. Um, we just mentioned that then. So your company is called Bucked, which is spelled B-U-C-K-T, um, almost a play on words on, on a bucket list. Do you want to talk about what the company is in your own words? Yeah. So Bucked is the UK's only mystery ticket subscription. What that basically means is we have a network of subscribers and every month they get five mystery tickets to different attractions and activities in their area. So everything from rock climbing, ice skating, football matches, afternoon tea, and then quirky things like sumo suit wrestling. Oh, wow. We've done yeah. uh, lightsaber duel. So we did, uh, we had the stunt double for Liam Neeson in The Phantom Menace. He was the no guy way. that was running the sessions yeah. and basically kind of choreographing fight scenes with lightsabers, oh, wow. um, alpaca walking, pub quizzes, like a whole host of activities. And the whole idea is just to get people to try new things, step outside the comfort zone and hopefully kind of make that process of, of, of finding things to do with your partner a little bit easier. Brilliant. So it's a real mix of different activities. Um, I mean, where was the, the inspiration for this? So if we go back to the start and what, uh, what caused this idea, yeah. where did it come from? I've spoken about this quite a bit and the way that I'll break it down is boredom, a breakup and a bucket list. And I'll talk through those three things. So the first thing is, is my ex-girlfriend, we would sit there for hours scrolling on our phones, trying to find something fun to do. Um, we didn't want to go to the pub every weekend. We didn't want to go for food every weekend. We didn't want to go shopping all the time. So we were just trying to find fun things to do. And we found that the process of finding unique things was quite difficult. You kind of, you know, you, there's there's so many options. So you've got this this paradox of choice. This this idea that that the more choice we have is kind of making it more difficult for us to choose. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there was that element to it. Then there was the cost element to it. And then there's also this kind of quality control. You might find something and think, well, actually, you know, is that any good? And you look at on reviews, and it's hard to decide whether something's good or not. So that was the problem, and that that was like a repeated thing the whole relationship, especially towards kind of the. The, the latter period of the relationship. Um, myself and that ex-girlfriend, we broke up and I was in quite like a bad, yeah. you know, so bad a, a sad time. Yeah, yeah, it was a sad time. Yeah. I mean, we've all been, been there, um, quite depressed, quite down in the dumps. And one day, I don't know what compelled me, but I woke up and I sat there in bed and I decided to write a bucket list. And this was like a list of things I'd always wanted to do, but never had the chance. Yeah. Um, and it had everything from like small things like going to a yoga class, going to a dance class. Yeah. I mean, one of them was like learning how to, to do a bow tie, a proper bow tie, um, little challenges, little things, but then also big things like bungee jump, oh, wow. go solo traveling. I don't know, you know, we, there was loads of things on there. Yeah. Go to a Birmingham city versus Aston Villa Derby. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a weird kind of paradigm shift. It made me think. Yeah like one day I'll be doing these things. And when I do these things, I'll be 
enjoying myself and in a better place. Yeah. And it kind of just that the act of writing the bucket list kind of gave me that something to focus on. So you almost keep you busy, keep your mind occupied. But yeah. uh, I suppose in another way, um, after sort of a, a sad time to have a, a positive mindset to think, okay, you know, this has happened. Um, and now I can go go ahead and try these different activities, even some exactly. scary things as well, like the bungee jump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the bungee jump was an interesting one because I did that with my mate on Valentine's Day, so the following Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. So we, uh, yeah. it was kind of like just trying to do something to distract from the situation. And we looked and I think we booked it like two days before. We went down to, I think it was Windsor, there was one on Valentine's Day, we found availability. And we literally yeah. drove down there, stayed over and did this bungee jump. It was quite like a symbolic, I, I mean, it, we, I don't think it was intended to be a symbolic thing, but it, but yeah. looking back, obviously it was quite a um, symbolic thing to do on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, and a giant leap, I guess, isn't it? Literally, exactly, so yeah, exactly. We didn't do a lover's leap, um, <laughs> thankfully, but um, yeah, we did do it, do the bungee jump. So I think that you know had that bucket list. So the, the the boredom at the start, the breakup, and then that led to the like I said, the bucket list. And then from these these three things, yeah. I'd always had in the back of my mind this idea of kind of like something around subscript, like really liking the idea of subscriptions, really liking the leisure space, and all these things kind of came together um, to form the idea of booked really. Brilliant. Okay, so that was almost like the the starting point to books. Yep. Um, you know, you living out your own experiences and your own bucket list, which then became something you gave to customers. Yep. So if we go back in time, in you know, to today, um, you know, you talked about the activities that books can offer. Um, what kind of customers do you do you have, and and do you have? I feel like you have this kind of regional um, split as well, where it's you know you have like Birmingham um, activities for yep. for locals. Is that is that how it works? Yeah. So we the activities are localized. So currently we operate in uh, Birmingham, Manchester, London and Liverpool. So if you're in one of those regions, what we say is that the activities are within the 20 minute commute from the city centre. Um, we are set to expand and we can talk about that a little bit later on. But at the moment, we've got those four regions in terms of the customers that we look for. I mean, the way that I describe them is adventurous, but life has got in the way. They're yeah. kind of they are the type of person that wants to do new things are we talking like couples mainly because i guess you know for you it was kind of you're in a you're in a, in a relationship is, is this do you have a lot yeah. of couples who are customers but it's not i guess not limited to couples exactly yeah we we the majority of our customers are couples yeah. we wouldn't never we would never kind of restrict it but we understand that that's the kind of the key uh demographic that is buying so our marketing does often get kind of pushed in that direction um the whole idea is about giving people things to do yeah. and, and adding a bit of color to their life. Like we use this expression of adding a bit of color to your life, which fed into the rebrand actually. So they get their activities. They don't know what they're going to get. Um, and because what, what we kind of, the rationale behind that was that if we ask people what you want to do, yeah. you'll go for those safe, safe things. Oh, okay. No one will ever say, I want to do lightsaber jaw. No. They're not going to say, I want to do sumo suit wrestling. So I wanted to go back a little bit, uh, back in time now, I keep jumping from, from uh, the past to the present. Um, we talked to the fact that you're a University of Birmingham alumna. So yep. you, um, you know, you graduated from the university in, in 2014. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's your memories of, of kind of campus life and your time as a student? Uh, I, I loved university. Like, I absolutely love my time there. More for the social side, if I'm being honest. Um, and looking back, there's a few things that I kind of regret. But the, the things that I do really remember is the relationships that I built with people the the freedom like even though i'm from birmingham i moved out for university i moved away from my, my home so that freedom that independence that you get 
Um, I mean, I loved all of that. And I did love, if I'm being honest, I loved the education side of it. I'm probably, you know, I didn't go, I, was, I wasn't one of these people that was at every lecture, I'll be honest with you. Um, because I, and I think, you know, I learn how I learn. You know, I understood how I learn and I understood what worked for me to maximize the results that I was getting. So, for example, if I had a lecture at 4 p.m., but I knew that I was, there was a networking event going on or I had something going on with my business, which I was running throughout the time, another business. Yeah. I knew that actually I needed, I needed to invest in that and then catch up with the stuff at a later point. I mean, I still managed to get a first, even though I, even though I didn't go to some lectures, but that was because I, I understood what I needed to do to, to learn in the way that was best, yeah. most effective for me, really. And this was a first in uh, business management with communications, um, which I guess kind of followed a theme a little bit with your, your start of experience, because um, I think you touched on it there, but uh, you, you kind of got into the world of entrepreneurship whilst you were still studying. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So before I went to university, I took a year out. So during that time, I joined a leadership program called Uprising, which I think we'll talk about a little bit more in a second, but that then gave me the confidence to start a social enterprise called called Fourth Wall. Yeah. So I was running that throughout university. Um, it was only small scale, but I was running it throughout university and getting, I was very involved in the, the Birmingham business community as well. Yeah. So one of the regrets, like I mentioned, one I've got regrets from university is that I didn't get involved in the societies because I was doing a lot within the Birmingham, the, like the wider Birmingham community. Yeah. I didn't, didn't do anything that was kind of on campus. Um, so yeah, I was running this business throughout university, always entrepreneurial. And then when I was coming towards the end of university, I was like, I can't wait to get, to get out. I can't wait to just get stuck into things and see yeah. what I can do. Um, which to be honest, in hindsight, if you're at university, don't wish to be out of university, man, make the most of it. It's like when kids say, oh, I can't wait to be an adult. You're like, come on, really? You know, in a parallel universe, that would have been nice to be able to do just to spend more time with my friends and build those stronger relationships but because i was doing so much for my business at the time it just yeah. didn't really line but, up but like you say you, you know you're involved with the like leadership programs you were getting yourself out of there you know you, you got uh, you were networking yep. um and you know you had an opportunity to go and visit uh, i want to say king charles but prince charles yeah. at the time so i mean i mean that that's that's a standout story isn't it and you were still a, a student when that happened yeah yeah so i was invited to go meet prince charles it came about because i was I did a program called called Uprising. Um, at the time, it was very big, so it was in different country, different cities around the country. The main operations were kind of Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, uh, London. Sorry, and it, it, they were just they were just doing so much. They had such a huge impact, and especially within the Birmingham community, like what Uprising was doing was really penetrating those pockets of power. Mm -hmm and allowing young people with aspirations to kind of get in, involved in those societies. So I was involved with that quite heavily and I, I gave a lot to that. I was involved in different committees, I ended up being on the board. And through that, they had to choose someone to come and take part in this event that was meeting Prince Charles and they chose myself. And I was honest, you know, honestly, it was one of the, the greatest yeah. experience I've ever been through. Oh, sounds amazing. Buckingham yeah. Palace, um, there was all David Cameron and all the other politicians yeah. at the time were there. And it was just a fantastic opportunity. And I think that was, like I said, that was one of the things that 
if I'd not taken the path that I take and I wouldn't have been able to do those, do those things. At what point did you feel that you could uh, take Bucked the idea into an actual company? So what was the, the early stages of Bucked like for you? Yeah. So the, I remember a really clear conversation. So at the time I had another business called hero, which we might, might discuss in a second. And I had a member of staff and I, I took him into the uh, like a conference room and I had the whiteboard. I went, mate, I've got this, this idea. Cause I, I fleshed it out in my head. This is all the feet. You know, these are all the, the factors at play. This is what it looks like. So it'll be at the time it was eight active. It was eight, um, four tickets, two discounts. There was a different, it was a different kind of package, but it was a similar structure, a similar concept. And he sat there on the table, went, mate, you've got to do something with this. Yeah. Like, this is a really yeah. cool idea. And it, that just that conversation, his instinctive reaction kind of gave me confidence to push forward with it. You have conversations with other people, but I knew from my previous experience running businesses and through doing programs like Entrepreneurial Spark, which is now the NatWest Accelerator, yeah. that there was a, there needs to be a process. And I think this is a really, really important point um, for any aspiring entrepreneur. What people tend to do is they go, I've got this idea. I'm going to make, I'm going to make this business from this idea. They jump, you know, jump into it, both feet and they invest money, they invest time. And actually they've not gone through the real steps to identify whether that idea makes a good business and whether people actually want that as a, as a business. So the process that I went through was stepped away from the idea for a second and focused on the problem. Yeah. So the expression that I've always had embedded in my brain is fall in love with the problem, not the solution. So I fell in love with the problem. And the problem was young couples in their relationship, struggling to find things to do. Things are a little bit boring for them. Maybe that's having a strain on the relationship. The other problem was when you try and find things to do, there's so much choice out there. It's really, really difficult to kind of work through that and, and, and find those unique activities. So I went, had the problem. I went to people and I said, this is the problem. Like this, the, these are kind of the problems in this, this space around doing activities. Do you agree? Do you have any other, are there any other problems are like, what actually is the problem that, that you think there is in this space? And people came back and said, well, this problem is what, what I tackle, you know, deal with. And it matched up, it aligned with what I felt the problem was. So that's the first step. I then went back and did more testing, so surveys, et cetera, saying, well, you know, how would you solve this problem? What kind of things would you be looking to do if you wanted to solve this? And then presented them with the idea, like this is the kind of idea. And then people, the reactions, that was really positive. So I'd done these two stages without really investing any time or money. And I'd got to the point where I'd tested it enough to give me confidence to go, actually, let's take it forward a step. In this process, if I got to the, the second step and people were saying, well, actually, this problem isn't, this solution isn't something that I want, need, think people will pay for, whatever, you then can kind of go back to the drawing board and start again. But if you've invested £10,000 in and creating a website or whatever it will be, yeah. you've, you've already invested that cost. It makes it really tricky to kind of take that step back. So I did that testing. From that, I then did a crowdfunder. So this was a crowdfunder for re rewards as opposed yeah. to like a crowdfunder for investment. And they are two separate things. And we basically use it as a pre-ordering mechanism. We said, if you give us 25 quid, you'll get your first month. And 
from that we raised things like seven thousand pounds it wasn't that ridiculous amount seven thousand pounds it gave us our first i don't know i think we had about 200 customers or something along those lines that's a really good amount isn't it you know yeah exactly before you've even started yeah and we had corporates some corporates had signed up as corporate subscriptions um so so yeah there was a lot of a lot of different kind of customers that come from that so when we started we didn't start from the ground up we literally had like this springboard to go look we've got 200 customers here yeah and and helped by these kickstarters and that's interesting the point you made a minute ago the fact that you know you focused on the problem you know and um i suppose it sounds like you you know you weren't afraid to get uncomfortable having the problem you know not thinking okay we need to find the solution and go with that you kind of thought right okay let's let's spend time let's let's talk to people you know let's let's hear from them let's find out what really you know needs solving yeah um and then it sounds like you had you know that natural sort of customer base emerge from that and obviously with the funding as well so yeah sound like a really positive time at the start yeah yeah i mean when we got the crowdfunding and it's 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 one of those lessons we wasted a lot of the crowdfunding money but it actually gave us one of the biggest lessons about how to make the business model more efficient and more effective I won't go into the ins and outs of it because it's part of our yeah. kind of secret source. But like we, that money basically lasted us kind of a couple of months. But we, we and we wasted a big chunk of it. But it gave us like the biggest lesson that then fed into the rest of it around kind of how the business model works and purchasing and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, um can we talk about um, per- perhaps any challenges you may have had at the start of the business? If you had any sort of times where things haven't gone to plan, um, you know, early on. The view that I take around challenges in business, the biggest challenge of business is that there's a different challenge every week. You will one week be dealing with, I don't know, a marketing, your marketing part, um, marketing partner that isn't performing. So you've got to kind of try and get on top of that. You might then deal with um, the next week. You might have a member of staff that decides that they want to leave. So then you've got to start the recruitment process. You might end up having there's it's always something you, i mean we've the past two days like uh partnership head of partnerships is on holiday and literally the one day's on our holiday we've had two of the two activities that we're working with kind of blow up a little bit yeah. um it's always the way mm-hmm. and so in the so i always think there's a different challenge there's not really one big challenge that stands out because every single week there's new challenges yeah i mean the only thing that i would say is that we continue testing the product for like 18 months um because like like i mentioned earlier we had eight i think you got eight um things four of them were physical like actual tickets two of them were discounts one was like an invitation to an event and one was like a recommendation or something along those lines it was that kind of package we tested that for i don't know uh, i think it was 18 months and then we realized well actually you those those additional things aren't providing any value, but they're taking our time. We're having to find them, negotiate, you know, speak yeah. to people at discounts. It actually doesn't make sense for us to continue them. So all I would say is that just continue that learning cycle as you're going through. I mean, even now we're still learning a lot. We're changing. We're making a lot of changes. Um, and also, so um, one thing we haven't touched on yet. So Bucked, the company. I mean, there's yourself. You're the founder. Yep. How many other people are involved with the business? So there's eight of us in total, and then we have a board. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sole founder, and that's actually one thing that I've struggled with slightly. And I think that would be one tip that I would give to someone starting out. If you yeah. can find someone 
that is as invested in the business as you, as passionate about the business as you, and has skills that complement yours, bring somebody else in. If you've got another co-founder, yeah. you both you okay. both got to be working those late hours. <laughs> and also, again, if people are listening, you know, and they're thinking about starting their own business, um, uh, if they were in the future to get to a point where they bring in, uh, you know, either a, a second person or, or staff, I mean, what's I feel like it must be a big deal to go from, you know, a sole, you know, you're, you're a founder on your own, you know, managing everything to suddenly kind of trusting people within your business. What's that? Yeah. What's that set, uh, step up like from on your own to suddenly having staff to manage? It's trickier than I thought it would be. When I was younger and I was kind of doing all this net, this networking stuff and going to all these events and I was surrounded by fantastic, like interesting, talented people. I, was, I thought, oh, recruitment's going to be a doddle, man. It's yeah. <laughs> it, it's going to be easy. And I'd had leadership things in the past, like on yeah. smaller scales. So I thought management's going to be easy as well. But then the reality of it is that it is quite tricky. Um, the tips that I would say is when you are in those early stages, if you can recruit good talent, do that over getting a, 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 a low-cost member of staff. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about um, things at the moment. So, Bucked, what kind of projects are you working on at the moment? How are things with the company? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting time at the moment because on the one hand, there's a lot of really exciting stuff happening and we've got some really big announcements. Like we're, we're expanding into new regions. Um, we have got an app that fingers crossed we'll get launched very soon you know we've changed our strategy as a company as well like we're now quite heavily focused on the expansion whereas before we were more focused on really hitting the areas that we're in and, and going quite deep within those areas so there's a lot that's going on on the positive on the other hand it is a challenge and as i mentioned earlier every week there's a new challenge coming up the two main challenges challenges that we've really had to deal with recently are we changed marketing provider yeah, and they didn't perform. Okay. Um, to the point where we had spent quite a lot of money with them and we didn't really get much return out of them. And it has set our business back probably six months at, at least. And it's really? put us into, a, yeah, it's put us into a, a difficult position because when you've put a lot of money into this, we thought that the agency was a bit of a step up, but actually we put a lot of money into them and their results weren't anywhere near where it needed to be. Yeah. Um, so that's been something that we've had to overcome. And the knock-on effect of that is that your sales are decreased, uh, your, your turnover decreases, you're bored, you've got to try and you know uh, instill faith and in the board that, yeah. that the decisions that I'm taking are the right decisions. And I've spoken to a lot of different people, different business owners about this is that Working with agencies is very difficult, <laughs> annoyingly. Like I have not spoken to one person when we were trying to find a new marketing agency. I've not spoken to one marketing agent, one person, sorry, one business owner yeah. that's gone. This marketing agency have been fantastic. Fortunately, our old agency did relatively well. We just changed from them because we wanted to include other things like PR and yeah. and different things that, that agency couldn't do. But they actually performed relatively well, like they, and that's why we've gone back to them. But I've spoken to so many people and no one can give, no one can say this agency I work with and they've done a fantastic job. Yeah. I think that's a real problem for businesses that who do you trust to, to, um, 
who do you trust to pay to help you deliver the results yeah and if repeatedly businesses across across especially my my network yeah. are being let down by those that they're working with something has to change or there needs to be a reevaluation of like how businesses grow yeah. if uh, someone's listening and they're they're just starting out or maybe they've kind of have an idea uh, i mean why would you you need to use an agency rather than doing it in-house yeah good question so there is always this debate about whether to do things in-house versus do at an agency level agencies tend to have more experience that can then be brought onto your account. So let's say you're doing marketing, even just for something like paid social, so paid Facebook ads, paid TikTok ads, whatever, they may have someone that's like an expert on analytics. They may have someone that's an expert on the creative. They may have someone that's an expert on, I don't know, TikTok versus Meta or whatever. So what the expectation is, is that by paying them, you're getting all of that expertise condensed into your package if yeah. you then bring in somebody internally you've got to then get someone that has all that skill that, that wide skill set which is difficult to do really yeah i would say i'm a relatively versatile entrepreneur i purposely taught myself how to do everything i've built our websites if you go onto our website i've built that um well, tell a lie. I built our old website. Mm -hmm. Our new website was built, but I did the reskin for the new brand with the website. Yeah. But, but basically, I know how to build a website. The app that we currently use, I've built that. You know, like I've taught myself how to do these things. But even still, I don't feel like I would have the confidence to manage an app developer yeah. to develop our app. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I wouldn't. How do I know if the if the decisions that they're making? aren't the right decisions yeah. if I'm not an expert? How do I know if, if I say, well, it needs to be done in a week and they say it's going to be done in three months? How do yeah. I know that they're not? So, so their experience can give you that, that bit more that, you know, something that you might not have, um, you know, to push these things through and to, to get you to where you want to be. Yeah, but it's that, it's that challenge of, like, if you did bring it in-house, do you feel confident enough and capable enough to be able to to manage them to get the best results? Yeah. So it is, like I said, it is that simplest example is, I think this should take a month. They say it's yeah. going to take three months. I'm not an expert on building an app, so maybe it's going to take three months. Like the app that I built was very, very simple. Yeah. I, I think one thing that you, in the you know, last few minutes you, you alluded to is obviously the, the challenges that you have as a founder, you know, that, uh, you know, things um, are not always, always rosy, that things happen, that things are, you know, up and down and, and peaks and troughs. And yeah. it, it's kind of that, is that the, does that kind of, um, sort of show what it's like as a founder, like life as an entrepreneur, yeah. is that a real sort of uh, warts and all kind of experience that you have? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. I, the way that my mind works is I, and this is something I'm working on, is that I do focus a lot more on the negatives and the positives. So, but with an entrepreneurship, there is negatives and positives. It's just that my, my kind of psyche always focuses on the negatives a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah. And like I said, I'm working on that. But you know, negatives are, it is hard work. Like you, you, you need to be doing long, well, the likelihood is, is that you will be doing long hours to, to get the results that you need. Yeah. You will almost feel, I feel compelled to work the long hours. I feel if I'm not working the long hours, I feel guilty. And that's actually subsided a little bit over the past few years. But when I was younger, genuinely, I had this like guilt if I'm not, not focused on the business. It was like, I'm yeah. punished. I'm, I'm not, 
Is it your like your expectation of yourself? Yeah, that you yeah. Need to be like working hard and building it up for that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in, in the same light, then. So I mean, you must get to this point where you need to switch off completely. Yeah. Um, are you able to switch off? And, if, and what do you do in your spare time when you're not yeah. focused on the company? I mean, that comes back to this kind of idea of being negatives and positives. Like negatives, like I said, the hard work, all these challenges you've got to overcome, making hard decisions, dealing with emotional situations, staff leaving, recruitment, all that kind of stuff. There is a lot of negative. But on that, the other side. I could work from home whenever I want to work from home. Yesterday, for example, it was my mum's birthday. I went, I had to go to the doctors, went to the doctors, went out for mum's birthday on the afternoon. I mean, I don't need to tell, like, I, tell the, I tell the team anyway, because it's just good practice for them to know what's going on. Yeah. But if I want to do that, I want to do that. Like, yeah. I don't need to book time off. And you've got that flexibility where you can yeah. manage your own time, I guess. Exactly. Know? I like working until 10 o'clock at night, but then I don't, get, I don't really start working until like nine, nine, half, nine in the morning. Yeah, I'm being honest. Um, but you can you can do that, can't you? you exactly. Know, if you're, yeah. you're your own boss, then you you know I guess you're you can decide what you want to do. Exactly. If you see me at anything before like nine o'clock, or, no, I'm gonna say half nine. If you see me in town at anything before half nine, I'm doing like that is a big thing. Like that is a. I remember I spoke at an event um, a few months ago for the uh, for the lep, and I, I did make that joke. It was like half eight in the morning. I was like, guys, <laughs> this, this is early. Yeah, oh, this guys, is early. Yeah. My brain doesn't start working until that. But that's that's one of those things. It's about understanding who you are as a person. Yeah. And there's those different types of person who works best, not who works Definitely. best in the day. And I guess everyone's different. So you have those, you know, you might hear maybe on sort of uh, podcasts or LinkedIn that, you know, some people are like, you know, get up at 4 a.m. and go to the gym and they, they do an hour of that before they start the business. So uh, it sounds like you're not that kind of person. You, you like to have a, a bit of a line and then you start, uh, you know, a yeah. sensible hour. Yeah. But then you work late at night, though, don't you? So. Yeah, I work like, yeah, I work late at night. And the thing yeah. as well is it's about understanding your it's it's there's so many different factors, I think. It's understanding your emotional like understanding your emotions, your mental yeah. health, yeah. your energy level. So for example, like today I got a text from someone that was meant to be doing some work for us. Like I woke up to that text saying I'm not gonna be able to do it. Yeah. And when I'm at that like when I've woken up, I'm delicate. Like that's gonna affect me more than if you text me at two o'clock in the afternoon. Because at two o'clock in the afternoon it's fine. Yeah. And actually I take those things into my team. I don't want to text them anything that might induce like an anxiety or may induce them to get a bit like I would I'm really conscious of that. And I think my team are conscious of that with me. Like, don't hit me with bad news straight away at the start of the day because right, yeah. that genuinely is going to really sap my energy out of me. Yeah. And one of the things I'm focusing on a lot at the moment is this whole idea of what gives energy and what takes energy. Try, obviously, try and do the things that give you energy. Try and remove the things that take energy. And there's some of the, the elements I'm trying to bring into my life at the moment to... Mm, maximize my output but also maximize my happiness as well yeah because well, yeah, yeah i'm not because if i'm being honest i'm not focused on that for a very long time <laughs> like <laughs> in a like in a bad way to the point where there needs to be action to make sure that i'm continue to be like am i able to be successful yeah and you at your best i guess exactly, you, know, I suppose you yeah. recognize you know when you're at your best when when perhaps times are you know where you kind of need good or bad news and you, you probably and the fact you can share that with your team is, is obviously that yeah uh, you know, shows that openness that you have as a founder. Yeah, and I think I think this is also one of the challenges of it, it being a, a founder and an entrepreneur, especially when you're a sole founder, is that in all fairness, you don't want to you don't want to show weakness to your team in a sense. Like, um, if there's things going wrong in the business, at the end of the day, you still want them to have faith in the business because, especially with a the startup, they've bought into the vision, they've bought yeah. into you. 
they, I mean, 10% of their, their kind of, and obviously I'm making that up, that number up, but 10% of their reason that they joined the business was because they had faith in you. It could be more, it could be less, whatever. So showing that weakness, showing when things are going wrong, it's always a really delicate balancing act. So I, and I find that a really tricky thing to deal with. And I think kind of taking that a bit further out, it's, you know, you, you can't always speak to your family about those things. You can't always speak to your friends about those things. Often my friends just generally don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I've got some friends that are really good, but generally when you're at the pub, it's yeah. hard to kind of, yeah. oh, you know, this isn't working, this isn't working because there's it's never gonna it's not gonna add value is that it's so and they're not in the space where they're going to be able to give any advice and they don't want that side of you anyway do they They yeah a little bit done done the friend kind of thing yeah done the founder and you're trying and i think you're especially for me personally you know you try and i genuinely don't speak speak to my friends about business like they i say friends like these are friends i've had since i was at school so they're kind of like i do speak to other friends about it but the general group that i go out with most regularly it just isn't something that comes up really like it isn't just isn't isn't the thing but actually what i've recognized is that i enjoy being around people that i can talk to about business i enjoy going out for a for a drink with people from the uh from the exchange or from the elevate program i enjoy talking about business talking about the community talking about things that are going on and that's one of those things that I'm trying to do more of to give me that energy. Yeah, definitely. And for a bit more context, so you're part of the um, uh, the UOB Elevate program, which is a University of Birmingham uh, incubator uh, shared office space. Um, you know, you've been involved with a lot of things, and, and that Elevate program is is in the centre of Birmingham city centre. So it's in a central location. You know, we're right on Broad Street here. We've got a nice sunny day, which has been rare this uh, summer, yeah. but it's uh, looking nice today. Um, and even last year, you've had some sort of standout news. You've had like a big rebrand for the company. Um, you also had a £350,000 investment fund from the Midlands Engine Investment Fund in collaboration with Midven. I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, how, how is that helping you as a, as a business? It definitely has helped. But I always I always saw investment as like, I knew it wasn't the end goal, but I saw it as like the end goal before the end goal. And I think that was a real, there was a wrong way of looking at it. I mean, really investment should be seen as like the fuel for the vehicle, I guess. Yeah. It's that kind of thing that will propel you forward. I mean, how important is it for, for anyone to find investment? I mean, that could be, I mean, obviously 350,000 pounds is a lot of money. Investment could be not just money, it could be time. It could be even 500 pounds, a thousand pounds, 10,000 pounds. Is that as cliche as it sounds, is that important for you to grow your business no matter what? Or, or does it depend on the business? Is that too hard to answer? Such it's, an open it's, question? A, it's a tricky one because we bootstrap. So the idea of bootstrapping is whatever money you make, it's kind of reinvested and you don't use external kind of finance. Obviously, we did have that little bit of money at the beginning from the crowdfunder. Um, I, I, if I'm being honest, like I do think getting investment is quite important. And I think if I started a business again, that would be one of the first things that I would do. Either invest in the money myself if if you know if things go well booked and I make yeah. a few million, that'd be nice. But that would potentially be one of the things that I would need to do. The only problem with that is you do need to prove traction. So it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg. You need to prove traction to generally get investment. But then you do need the investment to help you get the the traction. Yeah. So if you can bootstrap it, if you can do it as you go. You know, you sell a hundred units, you make, I don't know, a thousand pound profit, you invest that, you make 200. So if you can do that, fantastic. Yeah. But I do think there is a lot of value in getting that external, external finance, whether that is 
I've never had a, a, a big loan. I've only had kind of small scale loans, yeah. especially when it was locked down. More manageable, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's, it's not going to cause too much damage, like, but getting the investment is useful. So, yeah, I mean, on the point about tips, I've actually posted something on my, my Instagram about kind of oh, tips for. You have, yeah. Yeah, I literally did the other day about this. And one thing I didn't include, which I think is very important, is I've seen a lot of this whole bank of like family bank get some money from from friends and family and all that kind of stuff yeah. i think if that's 25 pounds towards a crowdfund that's not the end of the world but yeah. generally i think if getting that external getting that finance from someone that you know is a really dangerous game to play okay if you let's say you fail and you just took 100 grand from someone that's maybe needs that money back it's yeah. it's it's not a nice conversation to have it also the challenges of trying to raise the challenges of trying to do it without money makes you a better entrepreneur makes you yeah. a better ceo and it comes back to that whole point earlier around testing the idea you know testing the finding the solution testing the solution find the problem testing the problem da, 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 da. if you know you can get under a grand from your nan yeah you, you're gonna just skip that you're gonna go i can make this work hundred thousand pounds and you could just blow 100 i, I tell you what it's easy to blow hundred thousand pounds when you've got it in the account Right, yeah. and it just puts you in a difficult position. So that's the first thing I would say. So avoid your kind of family, friends, people who, who who may fall out with you, who are close to you, if things don't go to plan. I guess that's exactly the, that's yeah. the lesson there, isn't it? Exactly. And uh, so if we look at um, so that that's obviously with funding. Uh, how about with networks? I feel like you're you're very well placed to answer this because of your experience. So um, I mean, and this might be an obvious question to ask, but I mean, how how important is it to grow your network yeah. when you're starting out? And I imagine obviously it is. But in in your in your Huge, opinion, yeah. what do you think? And how would you what kind of steps would you make or what kind of tips can you give about growing your network? Yeah. Networking is ridiculously important. It is something that's actually part of my current agenda for my own personal development, because I, when I first started out, I was 19, as mentioned, I was on a prizing. I was, I was the youngest person on the cohort and it was the first cohort in Birmingham. So without kind of sounding arrogant, they, they, they could, the journey, my progression and my journey was probably more noticeable than someone that was 25 who would come on the program. They'd already gone through law school and they were now a lawyer, a solicitor. Yeah. My progression was a lot bigger. So they could use that as a case study. So they gave me a lot of opportunities. I was speaking at different events. I remember the one when we had the mayoral referendum the first time, well, when we had the referendum, sorry, and it was a no vote. There was Sir Albert Bohr, who was a leader of the council, and then me, who spoke at that event. That was it. Wow. And I and then I came back, yeah. got drunk with the the CEO of the Cube, because it was at the Cube, yeah. and all the people that were there. Got a taxi, went back to my halls at uni. It was first year of uni. So very surreal, I guess. He was almost yeah. like, did that just happen? You yeah, know? he was. It was so. There was, there was, I was given a lot of opportunities, and I'm yeah. very thankful for that. And I was out at every networking event. I was doing a lot. When I launched Booked. I spent so much time in the business that all of that kind of was pushed to one side. So I built a lot of networks that, that then basically I didn't manage those relationships and I didn't keep going out. So then I, I was invited to less events. I was in like yeah. invited to speak at less, less things. And that's probably been like five or six years of just kind of keeping my head down and, and not being out. And now I'm actively trying to get out there. I've created like a new Instagram account that's yeah. more business focused. I'm posting more on LinkedIn. I'm going to more events and genuinely it's so like clear how valuable those things have been. I mean, I went to an event the other day and from that, I've been asked to speak at an event. Yeah. 
simply because I had a conversation with this woman in the queue for, to get the get the free ch- fish and chips that are on offer there. Wow! So, so, so almost like a snowball event. And, and I think you've answered my next question, which was going to be that have you found any um, sort of connections in unusual uh, places? But I guess I mean that's an example, oh, yeah. of one, isn't it? And well, there might be more like that. Well, we would, yeah. Like I said, we were just in the queue for the because they had like a someone there providing fish and chips. It was like free food, free drink. We were in the queue for that. Um, so and she phoned me the other day and invited me to speak at an event. Um, I mean, every professional, I'm trying to think whether there's been anything that's been, been a bit crazy. I met yeah. some, I mean, I was, at, I was at 10 Downing Street a few weeks ago and I met a guy that I really got on with. And the thing that kind of brought us together was that it was free wine. And I was like, I spoke a lot about alcohol. I'm like, <laughs> it was free wine. And I was like, I'm just going to have one. And he was like walking out. He was like, do you want another one? I was like, no. And he was walking away and with a little smirk on his face. And I was like, yeah, go on then. And by the end of it, we were both, you know, we were, had a few drinks we met all with different people yeah. and we, yeah. we built really good relationships so no i think what it is is that just be confident enough to speak to someone yeah find out about them build the relationship and one of the things that i always kind of say is like you know you're building relationships not a pile of business cards yeah. you don't want to walk away with like and I, oh yeah i've got 10 business cards that isn't a su- success no, no more about the experiences and i guess the the connections you make you know in person exactly yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's, it's, it's all about putting yourself out there and uh being you being in the right place uh you know uh, as it comes if you like so the yeah. fact you're in downing street obviously you've got sort of contacts potential contacts coming to you, you uh, uh, but even in birmingham city center you could find someone you know it could be a social event you're going to or whatever and you could get talking to someone and uh, by chance they've got like the shared interest with you, haven't they? Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, we were, a good example, I was I was going down to, where was it now? We were, me and my friends were on the train down to somewhere and all of us being absolute wimps, we had a little train beer. We could open the, the bottle. Yeah. So we asked, so there was a guy that was sat next to one of the groups and he turns out he was the CEO of, I can't remember the exact company, but like we buy any car type. It wasn't we buy any yeah, car, but it was like one, like one yeah. of those top level people. Amazing. Like, yeah. and he he opened it with his teeth, <laughs> and he's and and he. It, I can't remember what it was there, but it was it was one of those type of. But a CEO, CEO and, of a very very well amazing. known yeah. business, just on a train. It's yeah. just on the train, and we were chatting to him, and he opened it with his teeth. Oh just gosh. and that's that's you don't. It's those kind of opportunities where you don't know who's around. Can I ask you a question now? So I want you to uh, maybe in terms of like a lesson you've had. So what what should people avoid if they're starting a business or growing a business? Is there anything that you think, you know, I've tried this and it didn't work? In those early days, like I said, do the testing. Don't commit, don't use 10,000 pounds of your saving without doing these, these steps. I also do think that money does go fast. So when you've got investment, you kind of think, well, I've got, I've got this money in the bank, so this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. And I actually, I'm, I'm generally quite a prudent person when it comes to spending, quite frugal. And I just let loose a little bit. And then that then meant we spent, we wasted a lot of money, I think. And I think we spent money not as intelligently as we could have done. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of like, like just keep an eye on the pennies. Even when you've yeah. got the money in the bank, keep an eye on the pennies. And also, like I said, like I said earlier, recruiting, recruiting well. Um, I mean, the main thing for me really is come with a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> like actually have a good business idea to start off with. I don't fully understand when people start a business that is just a rep- 
replication of something else that's already out there. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're already instantly making your job more difficult and you see those businesses come and go so much. So yeah, just spend that time trying to nurture and nurture, identify that problem, fall in love with that problem and then nurture that solution. So it is something that's unique and has that standout, you know, standoutness. And um, what advice could you give anyone who is thinking of turning an idea into a business? We've touched on a lot of this, but one, if you can find a co-founder, do so. The best advice I got around that was don't split the business up at the start, wait six months and then split it up based on the work that each person's done. If one person's done 30%, one person's done 70%, don't do it 50-50. That's the first thing. Second thing is test the idea, fall in love with the problem, test the problem, fall in love, you know, identify the solution, test it, do all that before you invest any time. Try and recruit well in those early days. Also, don't be afraid to take risks. I was very risk averse. So that probably, I reckon that delayed us at least a year from my risk aversion. A whole year, that's a yeah, long time. Yeah, genuinely, it? because I was like scared of paying for a marketing company. Yeah. And I thought, oh, we can just do it. So don't be cautious. Don't be cautious, just no. Throw yourself in. Into yeah. It. yeah. And as much as I was, I've, I've moaned about marketing agencies and things like that, actually, you do need to invest in that stuff. So either bring somebody in who's got the skills and pay them, pay them the salary that they they are asking for or try and go for another agency. And, um, and then I suppose the last thing really would be, I, so I've lived, I've been focused on the business to the, uh, with the mindset of, I'm going to give a hundred percent now, I'm going to burn myself out. And because, because eventually it'll get to the point where things will be a bit easier. The reality is it's never going to get easier in, in a business until the point you sell, sell that business, it's not going to be, nothing's going to be easy. So maybe don't, maybe I should have gone 95% in those earlier days instead of going hundred percent and getting myself to a point where I've burnt out and my mental health has been impacted. So that's something I'm working on a lot at the moment. So just, just, just be conscious of your mental health, conscious of your, yeah. your energy levels. Brilliant. Okay. Um, and what, uh, I mean, generally what motivates you to do the work that you do, you know, do you feel like you are helping to create enjoyment through the experiences that you offer? I mean, yeah. What, what motivates you as a founder? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I'm, I'm from a very working class background, neither parent went to university, you know, we, we weren't in a really, really bad position growing up, but it wasn't a, you know, we weren't in a comfortable position. So, um, money is definitely a driving force if I'm being honest, because I want to be able to live a comfortable life. I want to be able to give my children a comfortable life. And I think it always comes back from, from your history and your, your parents and and their parents, but that is one of the things that drives me. The, the legacy side of it as well. Like I want to create something that has an impact on, those that those that engage with it, the world, the community. Um, and yeah, just trying to bring a bit of like enjoyment to people's lives. And the reality is with our business, some people love it, some people hate it, and that's fine because yeah. not every business is for everyone. But if we can bring some enjoyment and some happiness to people's lives, if we yeah. can help people in relationships, then then yeah, I'm happy. Cool. Okay. Uh, what are you looking to get involved with in the future then? What does the future look like for, for Dan and also Bucked? For the com- so for the company, like I mentioned earlier, our strategy is very much focused on growth now, expansion. Instead of it being 
going deep in one region, it's actually let's go to as many regions as we can over the next 12, 24 months, get international. So that would, that would be our goal. There's other things that we kind of want to work on, but that is the driving force now. For me personally, I, especially in the past kind of, I guess, month really, it's that, that recent, I've been very much on like this, trying to, trying to understand myself a little bit better and trying to focus on this idea of what gives me energy and what takes away energy. And one of those things is going to more networking events. I love it. I love speaking to people. I love speaking about business. It fills me with energy versus, I don't know, spending time with people that, that I just don't really, you know, that it's, it's about figuring out those things. So for me personally, I'm like on this whole thing. I'm trying to um, educate myself more, listen to more podcasts, read yeah. more books and still discovering what are those things that, that not only help with the business, but also help me personally, what, you know, gives, like I said, gives me energy and, and helps me live a happier life. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, so people, if you're listening, um, how can they get involved with Bucked? So where yeah. can they find you? So, yeah. So, so remember B U C K T search it on Google. It will probably tell you, it might say, are you, trying to search for bucket within it yeah. but no if you if you say no i want to i want to i want to search for bucks b-u-c-k-t b-u-c-k-t yeah because i think uh, earlier on i said buckets and it's almost that because it's a bucket list it's like bucks it's yeah almost that sort of uh, habit to say bucket isn't it well like, we we've we spoke about this we've gone through yeah. we've changed the name twice the pronunciation of the name twice it is actually the one thing about the business that really bugs me even though i came up with it and i came up with the name it is the one thing that bugs because it used to be booked then everyone was like oh bucket like you know, and yeah. then so then we changed it to bucket, and then when we changed it to bucket, everyone was like, "Oh, is it like is it called booked?" And actually, the marketing agency that did our rebrand did kind of push. They said that that would be the best best call. So yeah, www.booked, which is b-u-c-k-t dot uk. You can also find us on Instagram. If you search booked, it should come up. I've got my own Instagram account as well, which I'm. It's kind of like behind the scenes business advice, my personal experiences, leisure, et cetera. And you can find that one as well. So if you search for B-U-C-K-T on Instagram, both yeah. my account and the business account should come oh, yeah. up. But yeah, just just follow us. And if you want to sign Excellent. up, feel Get involved. free. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Uh, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. You've given, um, I want to say, a very open and honest account about sort of startup life as a founder. Um, I think one thing that, that sticks with, with me today is the fact that you stick with a problem and trying to find things, you know, trying to uh, stick with a problem and trying to, to solve it. So you've given lots of good tips today. It's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for your company today, Dan. Brilliant. No, thank you for having me. It's been fantastic. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm.